Week 10 of the NFL has come and gone. We've got some surprising new candidates in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. The Bills are dead. The 49ers are back. We've got to talk about Bengals and Ravens on Thursday Night Football. So we're going to talk about all that and more coming up on the House Call. Welcome back into the House Call Gridiron segment. My name is Kyle. I'm going to be breaking down some Week 10 action with Gage, Justin, and Hussein. But before we get to all that, I've got to give a quick shout out to our amazing sponsor at Vivid Seats. Look, if you are looking to get to a sporting event this year, you've got to use Vivid Seats. They're guaranteed tickets. It is the best prices you will find on the market. Make sure you use the link in our description to save yourself even more money Get yourself to a sporting event using Vivid Seats. Thank you to Vivid Seats for sponsoring this episode. Now, we've got to talk about some very, very fun Week 10 actions. Starting <laughs> off with, I know, a game that a lot of people were really thrilled watching. And I'm just going to throw it right to Justin because he has already covered this game. The Broncos have taken down the Bills 24-22. to Justin, what the hell happened? Um, Bills Mafia, this is your chance to skip the video if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> this was exactly what I told you that the Bills should not have done. I kept saying it. We talked about what's the key to getting into the playoffs. Beat the teams that you are supposed to beat. This is a Denver Broncos team, although in recent weeks, it seems like they started turning a corner on offense. So I'll give them credit where credit is due. But y'all were supposed to beat this team. I don't know what the heck happened. I don't know if it's like just the craziness that's going on. They just fired their offensive coordinator today, which is insane, but we kind of expected it. But here's what happened. The Bills choked. The Bills are not built for the moment this year. There is no way in hell... They should, there was no way in hell they shouldn't even have been in this game. If you look at it, four, four total turnovers. Josh Allen, two picks by himself and a fumble. I'm going to get on his ass later on about that. Uh, you had another fumble by your running back. Another one that should have been a fumble, but he got the luckiest bounce I've ever seen after looking at the replay. But let me, let me, let me go to where it is. Josh Allen, I said it in the video. I'm going to say it again. I was ready to give you the crown as the king of New York football right now, this season. After the way you've been playing in years past. Why? Because the two other starting quarterbacks for New York for New York football teams aren't even playing. You are the only one that was supposed to get this state into the playoffs, and you couldn't even do that. You're on the outside looking in, and I don't see any way that you're going in right now. You're like, what, 10th place right now? And the best part about it is you got another player that's not even playing right now in Trayvon Diggs tweeting out to get his brother the hell out of Buffalo. So what? Oh, gosh. It, it, it's, it's a madhouse in Buffalo right now. And I don't know. Maybe y'all need to get some sage going on those tables that y'all be breaking every week. But something needs to change. And I don't think it's just the coaching staff. I think the whole culture needs to change at this point. But I digress. I'm going to let everybody else have their time. No, but it, it's a good point. It's it, something is just broken with this team. Like they're forget about a Super Bowl window. Their playoff window is slamming shut right in front of their face. 
Um, and like you said, you know, the Broncos, for what it's worth, they have started to figure out a good identity on offense, running the ball first. You know, what a concept. They have an older quarterback. You know what helps an older quarterback? A good run game. Being able to throw off of play action. Broncos are starting to figure that out. And for what it's worth, Russell Wilson, yes, he didn't break, you know, he didn't break 200 yards, but he only had five incompletions on the day, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It was a good day from Russell Wilson. And it's kind of surprising to be saying that. Uh, Hussein, I'm going to you next. Give me your thoughts on, you know, what's next for the Broncos and what's next for the Bills after this. So this is what we do in sports these days, right? We view it now from this microwave type level instead of looking at the macro, right? Justin just said it right now. The Bills are broken, but the Bills are not broken because of Josh Allen. Two weeks ago and earlier this year, we wrote off Russell Wilson from a Hall of Fame career. Now he's back, right? Because he's playing a better season. And now we've gone with Josh Allen where he was elite. And I'll ask you guys real quick before I go on my take. Just a simple yes or no. Josh Allen, top five quarterback still in the league to each no. of you guys? No. Ten. Ten. Ten? Sure. Josh, no. So here's what I'll say. I heard Stephen Smith make a point, and that's fine if that's the way we want to angle it now. But what we're seeing from Josh Allen is not anything we haven't seen before from historical great quarterbacks with strong arms. Steve, Stephen A. Smith said today, and he, and he wanted to point this out, and, and I hate always the 50% facts because we can make our facts and skew it to a way where we can make it want to say the narrative that we want. He mentioned that Josh Allen in his first 87 starts, he's thrown 94 interceptions. That's absolutely a lot of interceptions. He still leads the league in touchdown. You know who else had a lot of interceptions? Brett Favre in his first 93 games had 93 interceptions. Dan Marino in his first 87 games had 103. And Peyton Manning in his first 96 games had 110. Three of the top 10 quarterbacks in leading interceptions are those three guys. Brett Favre, Dan Marino and Peyton Manning, all guys that we would consider amazing, but we didn't cover sports the way that we cover sports now with the means of Twitter, where it's instant ratification. God forbid we covered Michael Jordan during the dog walk sessions that the Boston Celtics gave him early on in his career if Twitter existed. So what you're seeing from Josh Allen is what you see from a lot of strong arm quarterbacks, which is I can make the play happen when things are going bad. Now, it doesn't mean that he's above reproach. It does mean that he has to correct these things. Now, I guess you could argue the one thing that a Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, maybe not Peyton and Dan Marino have at the end of the day was a lack of Vince Lombardi trophies, or maybe they should have had more. And if you want to say that about Buffalo, I grant you that. I don't think the issue with Buffalo is so much internal with as much as it is internal. The AFC has just gotten really, really good. You've got now Miami sitting there. You've got now Cincinnati, who has now kind of taken over that rivalry that we wanted between Mahomes and Allen. And now it's become kind of Mahomes and Burrow. And seeing Burrow and I come back from that injury, we're going, here we go again. And then we've got kind of like the Atlanta Braves of the 90s and the Baltimore Ravens, which is, don't tell me what you're going to do during the regular season. Show me what you're going to do in the playoffs. The issue with Buffalo is simple. You've got a strong-arm quarterback right now who is narcissistic and arrogant, like all these quarterbacks should be. It's why they are who they are. But the turnovers are always going to be there with the likes of Josh Allen. But let's not make any mistake about it. We can sit here and pound our chest, choking, and he's this and he's that. There's 28 fans of 32 NFL teams that would take Josh Allen right now 
with all the issues he's having. So I did not see the game. I, I was traveling. I was in the Jacksonville Niner game. But I, I find it interesting how quickly we are to dismiss, put on the shelf, and bring back. We saw this with San Francisco three games ago. Brock Purdy should have been benched maybe for Sam Darnold, some outlets are saying. Now he carves up the Jacksonville Jaguars for 300 yards. He completes the first 18-game season, and we're like, oh, okay, the kid is back, and he's a prodigy again. So I, I, it's something that needs to be addressed, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the Buffalo Bills that we have not seen from historical strong arm quarterbacks. No, absolutely. And I say I say it all the time when I'm talking about Buffalo, you have a strong arm gunslinging quarterback. That is what you signed up for. The interceptions do come with that. So do the big plays. So does the, you know, dynamic element that Josh Allen brings to the table. But, you know, you, you bring up a great point about just the immediacy or the, the perceived need of immediate success that happens today. It, it, it's, it's relatively unprecedented because it used to be, you know, he gave a quarterback a year or two to develop. And now it's like, hey, you've got to be good now, like right now. Or you're you might be sent out of town and we're going to draft another quarterback in the next in the next upcoming class. We're seeing it play out for a lot of different teams across the league right now. I think the one thing that I would say that separates Josh, and, and this is somewhere where maybe I, I would want to see him improve a little bit more. He does seem a little standoffish. Justin just talked about right now, Diggs' brother going on Twitter, wanting his brother to get out. Last week, rumors of Stefan Diggs going, I'm not even sweating. We need to see Josh Allen be a little bit more bodacious about it. Like, shut up, dude. You know, you saw Peyton Manning fighting with Jeff Saturday. No one was talking to Dan Marino that way. No one was talking to Brett Favre that way. We need to see a little bit more of that of Josh Allen instead of being the political correct Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Be that way at the at, at, at the podium, but don't necessarily be that way when your teammates are coming at you. No, you know what? You're all brothers in arms. It's okay for you to give it right back to Diggs. Tell him, you know, maybe do this, this, this better, and maybe we'll do some something productive. So it is the one thing that I do see Allen's game lacking a little bit. It's, it's just more of that, dude, you know, balls up a little bit there and, and, and let these guys know that you're the leader of the team and you know what you're doing. Yeah, at the end of the day, you got to step up. You, like, you, yes, I think that it's a, it, it has been a little bit rockier of a relationship because of some of the things that Diggs has posted or said in the past or what has been implied um and i think that a lot of you know a lot of that does get extrapolated by media coverage but at the same time like if there's problems internally it's your job as the leader of that team like you said to step up and you know be the leader tell tell it like it is put some people in their place if need be and get your team back on track because right now, I mean, Buffalo is just falling apart. Gage, I'm going to go to you next. Give me your thoughts on what the outlook is like for Denver now. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know which Russ you're going to get week to week now because he was losing his legs effectively against Buffalo, really keeping drives alive, making plays that he needs to do, which is something you haven't seen in a year and a half from Russell Wilson. But to say he was playing how we thought he'd play in Denver and how he was supposed to coming from Seattle? No. He's still missing open reads. He's not throwing the ball excellent. He's throwing it okay. He is a serviceable starting quarterback now. What I would like to highlight is their defense and Vic Fangio and the job he's doing to come off of a 
getting a 70 burner put on your head against the Dolphins. And if you look at statistically the last three weeks, that defense is playing how they thought, how we thought they should come into the season playing. So if you can mix those two together, you have a serviceable team in Denver with Sean Payton at the helm. This is the this is what we thought we were going to get into the season coming from them. So they're now looking like they could compete and be a fringe playoff team, especially since a lot of AFC teams we thought would be loaded or super un- underperforming aside from the AFC North. And even there, Bengals are still under- underperforming, but they're looking like they're back now. So it's a crapshoot of which division is going to have representatives, and it's going to be a jumble for that 7-8 seed. Like, who's going to make it, who's not? And it's going to be a jumble of all these teams winning and losing against each other, going back and forth, and there's no clear clear cut. All right, these are our playoff teams coming from the AFC. No, definitely. On the Bills it, side, uh, RG3 said it. Why, I like, I am on record as saying I'm not a big fan of Dak Prescott. I am not a big fan of Dak. I think he's overrated. He's, a, oh, he's an okay quarterback. He's not great. He's good. Not great. Why is he getting scrutinized for all these interceptions and turnovers and have the media spotlight on him when he is objectively putting up better numbers than Josh Allen, protects the football more, and Josh Allen is still the golden boy out in Buffalo and no one says a word. And it's very well documented he has the most turnovers since getting in the league. And it's not even close. No, and that's the other thing. And and yes, you know, we can we can look at that list of legends that you you had pointed out Hussein but at the same time completely different game we are now in an offense driven league that did not necessarily you know it wasn't necessarily in place when a quarterback like Dan Marino was coming into the league it's far more defense driven league um but speaking of defense like you said that Broncos defense what a turnaround that has been made and one that I certainly did not see coming because of Miami being able to hang 70 points on that defense that like that shouldn't be happening. And then you're able to hold the chiefs to a reasonable score. You're holding the bills to a reasonable score. Like it's not just the fact that they have improved their defense. They've improved their defense against better teams, um, which is really, really remarkable. And, you know, kudos to them for figuring it out. Um, at the end of the day, for me, this is more of a Bills implosion than a, you know a Broncos kind of resurgence. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think the Broncos can be competitive for the seven seed if they you know keep this momentum going, if they maintain this identity on offense. But I don't see this as any kind of formula for a Super Bowl, any kind of playoff run. Like the Broncos will still be needing to make some changes, make some additions in the offseason if they want to get what they signed up for with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, which is we want to go win a Super Bowl. That was the that was the whole idea when they went and traded for Russell Wilson because that defense was phenomenal at the time. They were a top five unit and everyone was saying quarterback away. That clearly was not the case. And there's a lot more that needs to be addressed, but hopefully trending in the right direction. Um, speaking of uh, defense, we had a game where I don't know what either defense is really doing because of how high scoring it was. We had the Detroit Lions taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Lions get the win 41 to 38. Ridiculously exciting offensive battle here. Justin, I'm going to go to you first. Give me your thoughts on Detroit improving to seven and two. They are not too far off the number one seed Eagles right now. Well, this is the result of cultivating homegrown 
talent when it comes to Detroit. NFL teams, please take note. This is how you build a roster. Because you remember in the first couple years, they were like, oh, Dan Campbell can't really be a good head coach in this league. Maybe he's a great motivator. I don't know about him being a head coach. Shout out to him. Shout out to the GM out there. They've built a team that is ready to compete for a deep playoff run, if not for a Super Bowl at this point. Maybe in the next year or two, I could say like for sure. But so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. But to go to the game itself, I felt like I was watching college football. I thought today was Saturday. I thought it was Saturday. It was really like watching a Pac-12 championship between Cal and Oregon, which funny enough, both quarterbacks are from those schools. So it, it was interesting watching such a high scoring game. Shout out to Keenan Allen saying basically, fuck you, father time, putting up 175 oh, yards. Like, hi, aren't you in your 30s? Aren't you supposed to be on like the tail end of your career, especially as a receiver? But I'm a defensive person. I grew up watching the Giants NASCAR formation. I was disappointed in the defense for both teams. These are no slackers in terms of defensive teams. Like, you have Joey Bosa, you have Khalil Mack, you have uh, Aiden Hutchinson, all on these two teams as your main pass rushers. And for them to go absolutely no sacks in this game is insane to me. Even Derwin James, who primarily plays in the slot at, in the box at times, didn't even get anything going on like that either. So outside of that, it was a pure high-scoring game. If you are somebody that likes high-powered offensives going, you would love this game. For me, I was just disappointed with the defense. No, absolutely. The, the, like, it's insane to me. You said it. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Aiden Hutchinson. Like these, these are the players that we're dealing with here. And for neither team to have a sack on the day, I understand Detroit has an amazing offensive line, but none? Like... Oh my gosh. It was a very fun offensive game. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, bi the big difference that helped Detroit get away with it was they established a far more dominant running game. They, they had 200 yards on the ground compared to 98 from LA and every, every other statistic up and down the, up and down the, you know, sheet is pretty well even. Uh, the, the alarming thing for me was the, you know, the third downs for Detroit that really kind of jumped out at me of all right, there, there are some things that need addressing here. Those critical moments, you cannot be, you know, four of 13 on third down and expect to be making a deep playoff run. The Chargers, yes, you can give up mistakes like that and still be able to win because I think Brandon Staley's kind of a doofus. But if you're going up against a Philadelphia or a San Francisco, you can't be making those mistakes. I'm um, going to you next, Hussein, uh, the 49ers fan, since I just brought up San Fran. Talk to me a little bit about a potential NFC threat in the Lions coming out with a big win, forty-one to thirty-eight. So I've been on record the last few times that I've that I've gone on 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 to do shows. I'm I'm not a believer in Detroit. Um, I think Detroit needs to have home field advantage. They they need to get this one or this two seed. I don't think a team that passes as much as Detroit does benefits from playing a January game in philadelphia or in a cold weather component it's why i think the miami dolphins are actually built for a road game against kansas city or cincinnati because that offense really is a run first offense that 
Mike McDaniels either hasn't shown it yet because every time Tua drops back, it's Tyreek Hill throwing up the deuce with defenders in front of him before he blows them out of the way. But and, and I got a little bit of pushback from Matt on this, but I've got Detroit as a very good team. I agree with everything Justin says. It is how you grow a team. But I do think right now that Philadelphia and San Francisco are still 1A and 1B in that conference. And if Detroit does not have home field advantage for that division game or that wild card game, it's going to be a problem. They won't see Philadelphia because either Philadelphia or San Francisco will be the one seed in the hypothetical of Detroit not having the home field advantage. You got a little bit more luck in San Francisco, but kind of like what you said, if you can't get off the field on third round, on the in, on third down, and the run game was an anomaly. That was a game in which, again, you're more than likely going to get Jared Goff to have more than 37 passing attempts, and he came close. He was at 31, but that run game is not what we have seen traditionally from Detroit. What we've seen is the talks of Jared Goff and Justin Herbert, and who's, who's better between those two guys. So... It's a great story, and without bashing it a little bit, I think that at the end of the day, when we take a look at the top teams in the league, they're all being ran by highly effective, offensive-minded coordinators. And I'm not talking about an offensive line coach. I'm not talking about, oh, a guy that cooked. No, no, I'm talking about the Andy Reeds and the Kyle Shanahan's. And when these guys are at full strength, what they bring out during the playoffs is not what we typically see during the regular season. And I just don't think Detroit is ready for that type of game just yet. I don't want to say that they're the Minnesota Vikings of this year, but they're the Minnesota Vikings of this year to me, where it's just kind of play your part and let Philadelphia and San Francisco go ahead and battle this thing out for the representative out of the NFC. But high-scoring game and, and the run game was impressive, but an anomaly-type performance here from Detroit. And as far as the Chargers go, you know, we could play a word association if we want with the Chargers. But before we get to Justin Herbert and calling him great or not, we probably cuss out their head coach seven, four minutes before we decide to critique Justin Herbert. So I don't think he is the issue there. And until he gets some help defensively, it's going to be a problem for the Chargers. No, I mean, at the end of the day, the guy throws four touchdowns and his defense leaves him hanging out to dry. Like, your offense is able to put up 38 points. In this league, that's enough. That is enough. Even be. though we're in a high-powered league, that's that should be enough. It should be. Oh, my gosh. No, I Wait, but, but before we go on with this, I have to, you know, throw the flag 15 yards with throwing the deuce because apparently that's a penalty now. <laughs> gosh, it's the no-fun league all over again. Ugh, I don't like it. Oh my goodness. No, but I, I absolutely agree. The Lions, you know, Matt has said time and time again that they're his Super Bowl pick, this, that, and the other. He loves Super, it. A Super Bowl is way ahead of schedule. Playoffs, <laughs> no. That's complete that, that is absolutely in the picture. And they could, you know, get a playoff win. They could get to a divisional matchup. They could get to the NFC championship, but that's about their ceiling for me. Uh just because, like you said, you have the one A and one B in San Fran and Philadelphia and they're running the NFC right now. If you want to get to the Super Bowl, you have to go through one of those teams. And it's I don't like Detroit's odds to do that. There's a, there are far better defenses deeper in the playoffs in the uh, in the NFC and in the AFC for that matter. Uh Gage, I'm going to you next. Give me your thoughts on Detroit LA. Uh well, I I don't know first off, Hassan, give me a right right segue into it. Perfect. How's Brandon Staley's tough job? It's insane. No, it's I insane. don't understand it. 
we've been saying it since last year, and he's setting this team up for failure. Like you have so much talent on that team, especially that offense, and you're still four and five, like outside looking in, and you're not looking like you're not going to make it again. So I, I'm impressed at his ineptitude to coach that team when so many head coaches would love to have that roster. So many head coaches would love to have the rosters on both sides of the ball. And his clock management and decision-making is still awful. He's still losing them games. His play calling is terrible, too. But besides the point, do not pull the ripcord, Chargers fans, on Justin Herbert. It is not his fault. He is playing very, very well. Eckler was a little banged up in the beginning of the year, but he is still your best option at running back. And the that duo, especially with Keenan Allen, defying all physics of time and age, that is that's what you need. Your offensive line's holding. He's not, not giving up bad sacks. And this this team should be good. They just can't get out of their own way. And it's been the Chargers story for over a decade going back to when Phillip Rivers and even Drew Brees was the quarterback of that team. Flip side to Detroit, yes, that they are legit. They are a real team. They are a real threat. Are they a threat to go to the Super Bowl? I don't buy that yet. Like both of you have already said, Philly and San Fran. Odds are you're playing away. You're playing in Philly or you're playing in San Fran. And you got to go through one of them. And good luck going through either of them. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't San Fran and Philly. That's so that's the thing, though. Who who are the, who are they the threat to? Right? Are they this year's version of the team that knocks out the Dallas? If we don't have them beating Philadelphia or San Francisco, right? But we all agree. Look, this is a team you probably don't want to see in that first round. Who who do they pose that threat to? Right? Are they this year's team that makes us talk Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott football for an entire week after Dallas loses again this year in the wild card? Right? You know so. It's that's true. No, it's, that's it's, it's a we, it's a weird dynamic because we're all looking at them and we're going, okay, but we don't have them above Philly or San Fran just yeah. yet. So it's but we all feel maybe they can't. You know they're going to win the North, right? More yeah. than likely, unless Minnesota continues this win streak and again to win five games in the row, it's hard in the NFL. But you know, right now you would have Detroit. Coincidentally, you'd have Detroit going up against Minnesota. That'd be a fun game, right? I mean, there'd be a lot of beer drinking and fist fights in the stadium. <laughs> but, you know, do you like Detroit over, you know, Minnesota? Do you like Detroit over Dallas? You like Detroit over Seattle, right? Like, those are the three main teams. I don't like them over Seattle. I think Seattle can, I don't know. I, I, I'd Seattle's say just kind one of one thing is the play of Geno Smith. Would be yeah. my it scares you. You're going to be Brock Purdy last year, you know. Right so now, maybe. that's my only knock on Seattle is like Gino does have very good games, but he also has very bad games. Those Dude, that Ravens game man. was bad. Yeah, but he also had a bounce back week this week. It's very hit and miss with Gino. Um, yeah. But I say the toy to threat in a way of if they play San Francisco, they play Philly. I don't think anyone that's like knows football as you look at that like, oh, that's not going to be a close game. Like, it's not going to be a good game. Do we See? think? Do we think we, as people that watch and know the analytics of it, will be like, okay, we see them beating them? No, because we we're picking the better team. Is it in the realm of possibility? One hundred percent. I think that's what we're getting at it. Because Detroit's offensive line is one of the best in the league. They fixed the defensive problem. Have a top tier defense now. 
well, going into last week's game. Don't know where they shifted after now. <laughs> that, was, into, that, that, that was a that, huge that thing it. for Detroit. They had the best offense in the league, but had a bottom five defense and were losing games because of it. But now they fixed it and are looking very good on both sides of the ball, aside from that one miss, the 38 points to the Chargers. They held the Chiefs down. and been hold, Aside from the Ravens and the Chargers, have been holding teams to very little amount of points, under 20. Anomalies happen. Defenses can't be great every week. It's be very hard to play high-powered offenses and hold them to 20 every single week, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Your offense is just good enough you can put a 45, too. So it's to say they aren't a threat, I think is underselling them. But as reasonable NFL fans, to say they are favored to be a one or two seed or beat Philly or San Fran, I think it's a little ambitious. But it's in the realm of possibility. That's where I'd like to stand on it. No, this, absolutely. It, it would be a Cinderella run no matter what. Go ahead, Justin. See, this is the thing. Uh, this is my personal opinion when it comes to Detroit. I think what it's going into, like where we get so much hype for Detroit is one, we've seen this Detroit team be absolutely horrible. Even when they had Matthew Stafford, when they had Calvin Johnson, team, they were horrible. And to see where they are now is like two completely different sides of the coin. And then it's excitement for what the next couple of years are going to be because of how they grew their team. If you want to see a perfect example of homegrown talent and how they're performing now, look at the 49ers. A majority of that defense has been drafted, homegrown, developed, and most of them are monsters now. Yes, they picked up a couple of pieces through free agency and through trades to try to like boost it up even further. But a lot of their team has been homegrown, home developed, and now you're seeing what the fruits of that labor turns into. And that's what Detroit can see themselves as if they keep this going in the next couple of years. But like we all mentioned, it's not going to happen this year. Y'all keep saying 1A, 1B, Philadelphia, San Francisco. I keep thinking about it and hearing it as the Georgia Bulldogs versus the Ohio State Buckeyes because that's basically what it is at this point. Oh, my gosh. No, it's true. It's felt like the NFC – at the you know middle class level is pretty much wide open but the top has been solidified in our minds i mean since before the season started um the afc on the other hand that playoff picture is all sorts of wide open uh and it looks like somehow the houston texans might be able to make a push for a lower seeded playoff spot. I don't even know how that's I don't even know how that's a sentence I'm saying right now, but here we are because the Texans just beat the Bengals 30 to 27. We're going to talk a little bit about that because the Bengals are of course playing on Thursday night football and we're going to preview some Thursday night football for y'all. But to talk about that, we have to talk about the Bengals dropping the game to Houston. And uh Justin, I'm going to go to you first. Give me your thoughts on CJ Stroud, you know, throwing his second interception of the of the season. The guy stinks. What is this? <laughs> Two interceptions. That's all he's thrown so far this season. His rookie season. It's week 10. If you if you would have told me after the draft before the regular season started that we could be this deep past the halfway point and we could be talking about the Houston Texans possibly making a playoff run in this in the afc out of all conferences i would have thought you were crazy but they're playing 
over, way over what we all expected. And that is CJ Stroud. That is D'Amico Ryan. That is the entire coaching staff, the scheming, everything, because everything is working out. And what I love most about it on an offensive side when it comes to Houston, it seems like every week it's somebody else stepping up. Last week we talked about it. It was CJ Stroud and it was Tank Dell. Now you got Noah Brown going seven catches for 172 yards. You got Devin Singletary going 150 yards rushing and a touchdown. So it's like every week somebody else on that team is like, yeah, I'm going to step up and take this. So that's what I got to say when it comes to Houston. On the flip side, when it comes to Cincinnati, all in all, amazing game. I would not mind seeing this again come playoff time. Wild card, divisional round, anything like that. It all came down to that fourth quarter where both defenses, which is funny because we just came from talking about the Chargers and the Lions with no defense. Both defenses stepped up in the fourth (laughs) quarter. Two crucial interceptions, one by each team. That really could have shifted the game either way. But the thing I I have to point out that could have been a real big difference maker is that drop touch potential touchdown pass from Tyler Boyd in the end zone. He catches that. All of a sudden, you're talking about Houston having to go for a touchdown instead of going for the field goal for the win. So, unfortunately, bad luck for Cincinnati. Their winning streak is now officially... Bye. I don't I think they're still gonna bounce back quickly on Thursday night football, which we'll talk about later on. But this is a matchup I would not mind seeing again. No, gosh, no. It's it's weird to think, but we said I mean we said it going into last week that this was gonna be one of the more exciting matchups of week 10. But it's God, it's so weird to think that we could see this again later. Oh, I I love the I love the NFL, I love football. This is the best shit. This is the best. Hussein, I'm going to you next. Uh, what are your thoughts on what the AFC playoff picture looks like now that Houston is in the mix? Yeah, and they are. And they've got a really favorable schedule, right? They've got Arizona coming up, right? And Call of Duty just dropped. So, you know, Kyler Murray's not invested right now in the football. Oh. You've got the Jaguars, <laughs> right? So that maybe is the tough game. But then you've got the Broncos, which, again, it's a flip of a coin with them. you got the Jets and you got the Titans. There's, it's a very winnable schedule. The, the problem that I have, and although C.J. Stroud is having an amazing, amazing rookie year, I'm always one to say you got to give it two years. I've even said it to my friends regarding Brock Purdy. I'm like, give me two years, man. We just wrapped up the guy's first season. There's something about defensive coordinators that when you have the type of year that a rookie of the year candidate has or a young quarterback like C.J. Stroud has, off seasons come and a lot of these defensive coordinators order a lot of pizza, order a lot of beer, and they watch excessive film on you. And then we get to see year two, year three. Here's where I'm struggling. The emotion of it wants Houston in there, right? Because you want to see this story of Houston that's just gone through a hellhole with everything with Deshaun Watson and all that. I love D'Amico Ryan and I want to see him succeed, but they're ahead of Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati's sitting eight. Am I comfortable enough with both of them at five and four that Cincinnati's not going to leapfrog Houston in that seven seed? I'm not too sure about that. Buffalo, again, I know the world is falling right now in Buffalo, but it is still Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Do I really have Houston over Buffalo? I struggle with that. And although they're out of the loop right now, the Chargers are still kind of in that mix wherever you want to put them in that playoff purgatory between 7 and 10. 
and they're in there. So I'm struggling next week, right, when the emotion wears off or when Houston, let's say, hypothetically loses to Jacksonville or if they lose to Arizona this week to sit there and go, okay, they haven't come right back down again. I know that D'Amico Ryan was a great defensive coordinator for San Francisco, but the fact of the matter is, is that this same Houston Texans team led by D'Amico Ryan's allowed 400 yards last week in one of those C.J. Stroud victories, and their defense is subpar right now, right? It's kind of maybe ranked in that 17th to 20th range, and we just talked about it. The guys that win in the playoffs are these offensive-minded coaches. So you've got a defensive coach that's leading the team. You've got a defense that, although they're playing nice, they're not playing that D'Amico Ryan San Francisco defense. Missing some players right now, the draft will organically take care of that. And then I just, I can't see a playoff in which the Houston Texans, if everything stays the same, are not leapfrogged by the likes of Cincinnati and or Buffalo. So I'm, I'm struggling with that. But it's an amazing story. It's a refreshing story. It's a very much like a Detroit story where you're kind of cheering for them after everything they've gone through in years past. We talked about, again, the offensive line with Detroit. I used to tell friends, if it wasn't for Detroit's terrible offensive line, we would have never known Barry Sanders to be the running back that he was because Emmett Smith didn't have to do 74 pirouettes to gain seven yards because he had a hell of an O-line. We got to enjoy Barry Sanders having to do catapults because he had no line. So you cheer for teams like that because you're finally seeing them win. And in Houston's case, after the Deshaun debacle, you're happy to see them win. But I think the reality in me says if everything stays the same and they're neck and neck with the likes of Cincinnati and Buffalo, those two teams probably leapfrog right now a subpar defense being led by D'Amico Ryan in an amazing rookie season by C.J. Stroud. No, I can see it. I, I absolutely agree with the Bengals take. The Bills, I push back on just a little bit only because of the Bills' strength of schedule like i see three winnable games left it's a hell of a schedule coming up for buffalo it, You're right. it's not good <laughs> three of their games eagles chiefs it's Dolphins. hell it's bad it's a bad bad time uh oh i, I don't envy the Bills' schedule i'll just put it that way gage uh did i did i throw it to you for this have you given me your thoughts on houston Cincy? <laughs> no i have not gone yet um my takeaway from that is, wow, the Texans defense and CJ Stroud overshoot, like blowing our expectations out of the water, especially the year they had. Uh, they were very aggressive in the draft, very aggressive in the offseason, very aggressive getting Tamika Ryan to be the head coach and paying dividends, paying off massively. They are years ahead of schedule right now. Can they sustain it? Iffy. Yes or no? Yes or no? Own it! Yes or no? I don't think they sustain it this year. I think they do have some expectations and compete next year. Do they sustain it this year? No. I Once defensive coordinators start figuring out what CJ Stroud is doing, it, it's going to make it more difficult. Um, I think Joe Burrow let down Cincy more than the Texans defense won that game. Uh, he threw two back-to-back picks in fourth in the fourth quarter, and it's hard to win those games, especially in the tight. And your defense is doing all they can, and Texas defense is playing very well, making you make these uh, thread the needle throws, making you make poor choices, making you sweat, putting the pressure on you. So they did their job. The AFC playoff race, though, I don't think they hold on. 
I just I think it's too early for them. There's just too much inexperience, and you're you're playing like immaculate football the last three weeks. Like, you're playing everything right, but something's got to go wrong at some point. You're winning games by being perfect, and it's impossible to be perfect continually week in week out. It's impossible. I think they come back down to earth. The Bills, I think, are in again playoff race. I think they're gonna bottom out. Like so, the really the only thing holding the Texans back is the Cincinnati Bengals, which you have the, the tiebreaker over. But I don't think you can just maintain that steam because then you have the Chargers still in it, who offensively could put up forty points a night, and you got to compete with these teams. What I think was an interesting scenario is that they now play Jacksonville for the AFC South. Like, that is a legitimate conversation now. Can the Houston Texans win the AFC South? Jacksonville's looking pretty damn good. I don't know. Jacksonville's good, looking really damn good. How many games out of Houston right now? Oh, right now. How many now times they, they play Jacksonville? Game. They're a game They're out. One game yeah. out. And they play Jacksonville. Pretty sure this week. They could. Next okay, week. so they can oh, take that week. over next this week. week. So theoretically, both those teams win. That is the AFC Taos title game. In week oh, no, that is not this next week. week. Next week. Next week. Yep. Yeah, week, week yep. twelve. This week they got Arizona. Yeah, that's right. So like theoretically, both those teams are going to win this week. Oh, it'd be even funnier if Jacksonville loses and they're already tied going into it because that then that division is wide open. You're looking at ten, Houston as a four seed now, and it's a completely different conversation. Since he don't hit the panic button, like you guys are the Cincinnati Bengals. You have been there the last two years. You still have Joe Burrow. He did not make the greatest plays Sunday, but you still have a very good team. But you're now in the AFC North where the Browns and Pittsburgh are still there, somehow fingering it out, somehow six and Six and four, and the entire AFC North is making the playoffs besides you right now. So you got to win some divisional games if you want to get there. You're not going to topple the Ravens at the top, which will segue into Thursday Night Football. But I'm going to stop it right that there. one right up for me. So I'm just going to take a big old swing. Oh, they have the opportunity to let, let their division know they're back this Thursday when the Bengals oh, Kyle, are taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Oh my gosh. That segue, I just had to. I had to. But we have one more thought, maybe? No. Yeah, that's one. That's one. No, I was going to say, you know, I think one of the things that gets really underrated, and we're not even, it's not even something that we were going to discuss today, is how amazing Mike Tomlin is as a head coach. When you talk about the Pittsburgh organization, I mean, you can count all of the head coaches they've ever had on one hand, essentially. And it's, I, you know, we've seen now Bill Belichick on this on this down year ever since the post-Brady era, but we're talking about a guy who lost, you know, Le'Veon Bell before he decided to run to donut shops more than to run through defensive <laughs> lines, and Antonio Brown, who I don't even like to make fun of it because I really do think where he is right now is, is a product of a lot of people think after that Bursette hit, but we're talking about a guy who lost a Hall of Fame quarterback in Beth Roethlisberger, where wherever you rank him in the midst of this Brady and Manning era, he ended up winning two Super Bowls in that conference, lost Le'Veon Bell when he was at his peak, lost Antonio Brown. 
and the guy just does not the guy just does not put up a bad season for the Pittsburgh fan and and we're talking now north of 10 years I'm always astonished and I, I just I think I don't want that guy's career to end he's still a young coach for all intents and purposes but I, I think in the midst of the Andy Reid since he's found Mahomes and the Kyle Shanahan's and stuff like that it is easy to forget how amazing of a head coach Mike Tomlin is and and how he runs his organization I mean Pittsburgh it's insane that every damn year we are having conversations about the Pittsburgh Steelers even though their quarterback wears a glove on his hand which should be an automatic heretical <laughs> thing to be in the NFL that that's I, it's my annual Mike Tomlin I wish I I, I, I my Mike Tomlin appreciation ran of the year. no I but I want I want to Mike go Tomlin. One, sorry I just wanted to say one more thing about this AFC uh South do it uh division right now we're talking about you know Cincinnati. We're talking about Houston. You know who could play spoiler to both of them? Gardner Minshew and the Colts because they, are they also each have right there. They are they're right there. Mania, I'm not going to say they're going to take the division, but they do have one game left against both of those teams. So if one of them was to take that division, not only do they got to make sure they beat the other. But they also got to make sure they beat Indy, who can actually spoil things for everybody, especially Houston, because they got Houston the last week. Okay, how did you not? How did you make a Gardner Minshew reference and not reference the fact that the fans in Germany were singing Sweet Caroline while Minshew was running for his life? Like, they did not uh, stop singing while the man was running from people who are too oh, It was the greatest part of that game. It was, was, it was the greatest. How did you not? That was the only part wa worth watching, I'll be honest. Honestly, I was still half asleep when the Germany games were on. If the Colts can play in Germany for the playoffs, I want the Colts in the playoffs. If the fan base Absolutely. is going to do that again. Absolutely. No, it was beautiful. And I, I feel like Gardner, if I'm Gardner Minshew, I'm curious, first of all. But also afterwards, that's the funniest thing that I've, I think I've seen happen in a football game that's not related directly to the play of football. Um, real quick fun fact about Mike Tomlin. Never had a losing season. We know this. Never won coach of the year. Disrespect. Mike Tomlin wow. in 16 seasons. Never had a losing record. Has never won coach of the year. Think about that and try and make sense of it and try and get some sleep tonight. You won't be able to. But we're gonna stick it. We're gonna stick with the AFC North. We're gonna talk a little bit about Thursday night football. The Bengals and Ravens both having an opportunity to bounce back against some some heart-wrenching losses. You know, both losing by a field goal this past week. Um, both have the opportunity to bounce back here. Uh, Justin, I'm gonna go to you first. Give me your thoughts about what you think is happening Thursday night football. Bengals at Ravens. I'll be honest. This is Joe Burrow's chance to play a lot better against arguably a better defense. Uh, show me what you can do come playoff time because for everything we can say about the Ravens and can they're a great regular season team, but can they do it in the postseason? We're still in the regular season. They're showing they will come after you. We, we, we sent our appreciations to Mike Tom. We need to also give our flowers to John Harbaugh as well because there, there's been a lot of times that I've said, let me get, matter of fact, dang, it's not here. Let me get my torch. Let me start lighting that seat, get it a little bit warm because 
I thought at some point, you know what, John Harbaugh, it may not be working out for you in Baltimore, and he's still here, and his team is still competing, and Lamar Jackson still showing us he's that guy when it comes to Baltimore. And this is going to be a good matchup to see, like, are these two teams ready to play in January? I'm just leaving it at that. Uh, that's it's going to be exciting no matter what. And no, like you said, Joe Burrow, it's time to put up because we know better than anyone. November football is critical. How you play in November and December defines your season. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, it's what we talk about. It's getting hot at the right time. This is the right time. Uh, the big thing that concerns me because Justin, you brought it up. Lamar Jackson is looking like that you know, high level MVP talent that we're used to seeing. Uh, and the big, the big concern for me right now is that Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard both did not practice for the Bengals. Uh, of course, they have the opportunity to practice in the, you know, the next day before, before Thursday night football. But as of right now, uh, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, their edge rushers have not practiced this week. Uh, Hussein, I'm throwing it to you next. What do you see happening on Thursday? I've been watching football for nearly 37 years of my life. And the only thing that I can compare with the Baltimore Ravens are in that you see a team that you go, okay, consistent, stable at the coaching position, consistent MVP caliber at the quarterback position, which is the most important position in all of sports. Baseball, the hardest sport, but quarterback, the hardest position to play. Good, sound football, can run the ball, can pass the ball. But I, I'm, I'm bored with the regular season accolades and praises that we seem to find ourselves year in and year out with the Baltimore Ravens. And then come playoff time, it's another shortcoming season. And the only thing that I can compare it close to in sports is I'm dating myself here back when there was no Florida Marlins, was watching the Atlanta Braves of the 90s, where you sat there and you go, they've got Greg Maddox and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin and all this. And they just they couldn't do it and all we got out of them was one world series and you're just sitting there going tell me that we got to the super bowl with baltimore with joe flacco we can't do this under the same leadership of harbaugh with lamar it's 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 an exhausting thing to try to wrap your head around as a football fan and then on the other side of it Back against the wall, Cincinnati. Again, we're talking about Houston potentially being in there and Cincinnati not. But it is Joe Burrow. And I've seen Joe Burrow rise to the occasion uh, to the occasion of having his back against the wall and winning these type of games. And I understand Cincinnati maybe might be missing some players, but this is, this is what my problem is with Baltimore, which is a game in which you go, oh, okay, this is a game then that Baltimore will go ahead and handle because that's what good stable teams do. And I'm yet I'm I'm at a point now where I've got a zero element of surprise if if they come up short in this game. I mean, I mean and, and I don't think anybody right now seeing this would be surprised if Baltimore loses this game. I think what the crazier story is is the potential that three AFC North teams could potentially be in the playoffs. That's absolutely wild to me. That's almost as wild as the year Seattle was a below 500 team and won the West, so they hosted a playoff game against a Saints team that was like 11 and five or something crazy like that. So it's Thursday night football, which is the worst quality of football. So th this is setting up already to be a really, really bad game for the Baltimore Ravens. Again, I know Cincinnati's missing some pieces, but 
the narratives matter to me sometimes and i, I just i don't know i i would not be shocked and left going to bed baffled again if baltimore just lets this one down again in a game in which i am picking baltimore but i would not be surprised if they don't win this where are they playing cincinnati or baltimore they are playing in baltimore okay so i mean golly i mean i would more be elements shocked. of intrigue yeah i wouldn't be shocked i i, I wouldn't be shocked well, I agree. And like, there's so much, there's so many of those narrative factors, like you said, cause there's not a more, I, I don't think there's not a more dangerous football player with their back to the wall than Joe Burrow. There's not a more exciting team as, as far as road warriors go than the Bengals, you know, like there, there's a lot of those fun little, not necessarily tangible facts, but there's still, there's still those narrative moments of, of football that we we so much fall in love with uh gage i'm going to you next give me your thoughts on what do you think's happening thursday i'm this is like a tale of like who's gonna have the better bounce back game because the ravens imploded again like added it to the to the can't think of the word the graph graphic yeah that's the word added to the graphic of them blowing leads I saw it. it's like up to eight now in the last year, year two years with Lamar just blowing. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, just blowing leads, like huge leads late in the game, and I don't know if it's it them taking the foot off the gas, altering play calls, being more conservative, and not putting up points because in those games they scored a total of ten points in those blown leads. They didn't score. They were up 31-17 to the Browns. With Deshaun, looked the best he's looked, but still didn't look great. So I suspect Browns offense at best. And yes, the Browns defense is good, but you can't put up three points to not lose that game in the entire quarter. And it's amazing because that Ravens team is putting up 40 points on good defenses and blowing people out. And their defenses are historically good again. The Bengals, I think, will have a better bounce-back game, being they shouldn't have lost last week. That is a game. they You shouldn't lose that game, but they do. I think Joe Burrow, it's going to be Joe Burrow revenge game. I think he's going to try to play the best football he's played. Playoff, very much so on the line, and it's a very tough division. Like Hassan said, I'm going to put my money on the Ravens, though. I think they're just a better team. It'll be a bounce back game for Joe Burrow and it will keep it close. But I think the Ravens, I think it's their year to take the North and it's more so the Bengals making sure they aren't at the bottom of it. Cause realistically all four teams in that division can and may maybe make the playoffs. No, I, I, no, I can definitely see it out of the AFC North. That, that's that, that's the best division in football right now. I don't, I yeah. don't think that that's really an argument. Without a doubt. That, that, they, yeah, no, they have to be. Um, but I absolutely agree. I, th- I have the Bengals winning this game um, because, I, I, like you said, I have more faith in a big Joe Burrow bounce back than I have faith in Lamar Jackson being able to be the entire rushing attack and the entire passing attack for the Ravens because their running back room is banged up. What a surprise, um, as always. And it was the case last week, and that's honestly what led to the Browns losing. You cannot have your quarterback 
be your leading rusher with 41 yards and expect to win a football game. I know we're in the we're in the age of high-powered offense, but running the football still is one of the most important things to win in the NFL, and I will die on that hill. It's because I like old-school football, and that's just me. We might get to see some old-school football because it's an AFC North matchup. Divisional matchups are always dirty. You know, like these teams know each other, and it's a tough division in general. So I'm excited for this one. It's looking like Trey Hendrickson, who did hyperextend his knee uh, in the game against Houston, is trying to play on Thursday. Um, not necessarily shocked at that. Uh, he had the broken wrist for like most of last year. So Trey Hendrickson's a he's a stud. So wouldn't be surprised if he suited up. And that's a big factor for me with the Bengals' ability to contain Lamar Jackson and that dynamic rushing ability. Um, jury's out on Sam Hubbard and we'll see if he's able to practice on Wednesday leading into, you know, game time on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm going to pretty much lock my pick into the Bengals, uh, just because I don't know, it's the story. There's, there's just sometimes the better team doesn't always win. And this is what we might be facing on Thursday night football, but of course, any given Sunday, or in this case, any given Thursday, any team can win. The circle of parity has already been completed for this season. And so the Ravens might be walking out with their heads held high. But for now, locking it into the Bengals. And that's all we've got for you. There you have it. Week 10 recap. We talked some Thursday night football action. It's been great hanging out with y'all. Until the next time, that's Justin. That's Hussein. That's Gage. I'm Kyle. It has been great hanging out with y'all on the Gridiron segment. And we will see you on the next one. Peace. Peace. Where do you see McDavid and Dreisaitl going if they are traded? I mean, you said we went over it last time. They got no moves, so they have to go 